So we're quite dynamic in our ideas. We always try and if there's if there's a way to do it, we'll do it. When you put your passion into making it work and you're saying, okay, we've got all these problems in front of us. Uh, we can't change what's happened, but you can change what's in front of you. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading to regional Victoria, to the town of Shepparton, which has been in the midst of a bit of a COVID outbreak. We're talking to one of the town's restaurateurs, Graham Murphy from Thai Orchid. Graham, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, thanks for having me. So not every owner of a Thai restaurant in Australia has a Scottish accent. Do you want to talk me through the story, how you come to be in Shepparton? Yes, um, well, part of my one million jobs since I've left school. Um, so, I, yeah, I left school, uh, done my electrician apprenticeship and then realised it wasn't for me. So I headed off to Australia as a backpacker when I was 20 and I met my wife-to-be uh, in Noosa. She was working in a Thai restaurant at the time with her family. They had been sponsored out. And, uh, yeah, we got together and uh, we I took, eventually my visa ran out for backpacker. I took my wife back to Scotland. We got married in Scotland and then we came back to Australia and we bought a restaurant with her family in Shepparton. Amazing. What's your wife's name? Uh, her name is, well, her uh, Thai name is Jirapon Popo. But her, uh, every tie has a nickname, so her name is Oi. Love it. I just love the fact that, yeah, every single Thai person I've ever met has got a great nickname as well as their, as well as their given name. Fantastic. So shepparton has been a lot in the news, at least in Victoria, over the past couple of weeks because of the COVID cases there. Just give us a bit of a background about Shepparton. What kind of community is it? So Shepparton is basically it's the – it's a food hub of, of Australia. So we, we get um, a lot of transient population coming in. So we get a lot of backpackers. We get a lot of uh, migrants coming in um, uh, to help with the picking of the fruit. Um, we've also got a lot of livestock, a lot of dairy. Ship's got a rich history of Albanian community, Italian community, Greek. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a very multicultural community. Um, and we get on really well. We we got a large indigenous population here that do really well. The Rumbalara. Um, so we we are a good community. We have our major issues with drugs. Um, the ice, uh, ice in particular. That's one of the major issues. But yeah, we, apart from that, we are a good community. We're close. Um, we tend to reach out for one another, which is shown here. Um, and we're. Yeah, I think um, with last year's outbreak in Shepparton, we just seem to be really unlucky. Um, so we're sort of geared up for it this year. But that's the type of community Shep is. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, as you mentioned, Shepparton also had some COVID cases last year and again this year. I first heard of your restaurant recently when you put up a really beautiful Facebook post offering to deliver a free meal to any of the 12 cases that had been announced in Shepparton at the beginning of this outbreak. Is that something, you know, is that the sort of town Shepparton is? Yeah, definitely. Um, so la- last year we, we were... Re- uh, the town was rattled with um, with COVID. So when it came here, um, the realization it comes here um, was it did rattle the town. Um, so last year, Thai Orchid was an exposure site. And uh, so basically, someone from Melbourne came to Shepparton. Uh, one of the locals caught it in Shepparton through no fault of their own. They came in for dinner, and then we were we ended up an exposure site. 
And there was no transition inside the restaurant, but the fear um, and the the crazy fear uh, driven by all, all sorts of the media um, was a real hammer blow to our restaurant. Um, and the rumour mill starts that we had people from Melbourne in the shop. And at that time, you weren't allowed anyone from Melbourne in your restaurant, and which we didn't. Um, but it, it was so hard. And, and then when the fear factory left town and went on to to somewhere else where they had another outbreak, um, you're sort of left to pick up the pieces and try and explain yourself. Um, so it was it was a huge impact on our lives. Um, so my kids, a couple of weeks later, weren't allowed to play with certain kids and they weren't families were worried about coming close to us and it was it was bizarre it really was bizarre and so even after but people were so scared and I can understand it so when this happened this time I was just um, I wanted to change the narrative I've got quite a large following in Shepparton on my Facebook page so I wanted people to instead of being fearful of people with COVID I wanted people to say okay this is these are the people let's help them or Let's at least offer that help. And then they know that we're not ostracizing them from society. We're saying, look, it could be anyone that's caught it. That is such amazing leadership. That's really just such an incredible way to try to turn around those perceptions, Graham. Just I'd love to learn a bit more about what happened last year. What month was it that you were an exposure site there? I reckon it was, I think it was around October, September, October, there was a truck driver came from Melbourne um, and he yeah. went through Kilmore and then up, up to Shepparton. And he was only in the um, the other business a couple, you know, not, not long, maybe five minutes or so. Um, and, the, and the poor fella that, that works there, he caught it. And then through no fault of his own, he wasn't symptomatic. He and his wife wasn't symptomatic. They just carried on with their lives as normal and they came into the restaurant. Um, so when that when that first broke out in Shepparton, we heard it was that business and we heard it was the people and I felt really sorry for them. And then obviously a couple of days later when the track and trace got together with what happened, um, we then got informed about it. Um, so, basic, so basically I reached out to him uh, during that time and I said, look, I don't, you've done nothing wrong. Could be me, could be anyone. So please don't feel bad. And when all this is over, I want you to come in and sit down with me. We'll have dinner. And and that really helped him a lot. And it helped me as well because if you don't speak to each other and you don't talk to each other afterwards, there might be slight the unknown, you know, you don't know if someone's upset with someone or so it's really important that we stop all this fear mongering, we stop all this this real anxiety behind everything. We need to really deal with it like a bushfire. So if there's a spot fire somewhere we all rush to help people. So that's basically what we have to do in this in this time is really try and help as much as we can in the COVID safe way. Of course. I suppose that's one of the differences in a regional community. You are likely to know the person that came in. Um, it's perhaps a bit different in the city. Of course, there are really strong networks in the cities as well. But I guess in a place like Shep, it's like you are really likely to know you know, the people, the people that test positive, it's like they're, they're part of your world already. Yeah. So, so that after, after that happened, it's funny you should say about the city. So after that happened, um, there was another restaurant in Melbourne, which I'm not allowed, well, I don't want to name because it's not fair putting um, the spotlight on them again, but there was a, 
there was a there was a Thai restaurant in Melbourne that had it, and I reached out to them and I um, and I was able to guide them through how I dealt with it. So deep clean, uh, track and trace, how to deal with your social media, how to deal with the media, um, or how I'd done it. Um, and I was able to assist them and guide them through it. And that really helped me again to relive what happened at my restaurant and how best I could sort of deal with it next time. And, and the main thing was the fear around and the blame game. So at the time of that restaurant in Melbourne, one of the media companies done an, um, done a piece on their air conditioning unit. And, and I was, they didn't even know if the air con was on or not. Like it, there was no facts behind it. It was just someone speculating about the air conditioning unit in the, in the, in the shop. So it, it, yeah, we had to get to the truth and we had to sort of guide the, the, the lady through it. And she was very thankful and it was good for me as well. Um, when you're helping others that you've been through something. So I've been involved with this like since we had our outbreak. So this, this, this offer of help from Shep, uh, from the restaurant when the first 12 cases came up, it stems from all that and trying to do as much as I can out of my experience. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I just think it would have been so valuable for that Melbourne restaurant to hear from you and to feel like they had somebody standing beside them in in circumstances that are really frightening for a business. Of course, you're worried about the you're worried about the spread of COVID, but you're also worried about your reputation, about how to, yeah, how to, what sort of messaging you need for your community and, yeah, and how to deal with any media attention that comes. It's, yeah, it's really, I was just really impressed with how you've dealt with it, Graham, and how you've turned adversity into a positive. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, I give an example of saying when you see a scandal on the news or, or something where someone shouldn't have done something and the whole media is, focused on that person well they would go and get counseling they would have a pr firm helping them they would have some strategy but when it when there's an outbreak at a business there's none of that all there is is um track and trace and the covid section of it there's no real guidance on how to try and recover um yeah so it's as you can hear i'm really passionate about just trying to help anyone that's involved um, on the other side of getting back to normal. Yeah. So, I mean, what kinds, what other things were you able to find that were helpful? You've talked about reaching out to others and sharing your experience with your own business and with your community. What other things did you do? Yeah, so I, I um, my friend owns a media team and uh, we, we actually done a video, um, like a video ad, an online video ad about, um, they're getting back to normal. So I, I basically we done a, a short movie where a couple is at home, they've checked their phone, they see there's an outbreak in Thai Orchid, and then eventually they decide to come back in for a meal. They have a meal, and then at the end of the night, they're down at the Shep, Shepparton Lake looking at the stars. And it was sort of like, this, okay, this has happened. We acknowledge it, and we need to move on. And, and if you come back in, we'll give you great food, great service, and you'll have a good night and, and getting back to people understanding why they used to go out for a meal. Like the reasons you went out for a meal was to happiness, to, you know, to help your relationship or to, so it's, it's about training the people. The reasons you went out for a meal before are still the reasons you want to go out for a meal now, because I feel that the whole hospitality industry 
is under threat. I think people don't spend a lot of time in restaurants anymore. Even when they come in, they don't want uh, to, they don't want entrees and mains. They just want mains and they want to leave as quick as they can. So they don't really have a night out. Um, and they're not encouraged to have a night out. And as such, restaurants lose a lot of money. We can't double book tables because we don't know if, how long they're going to stay. It's really difficult. It's extremely difficult on the ground in restaurants to manage your manage your night. Mm. I mean, it's interesting because, I, I mean, people are coming to the restaurant, well, when they can. They're coming for a meal, but you say they're not staying as long or spending as much. Do you feel like, I mean, what do you think is going through someone's mind? Is it sort of like they want that dining out experience or they want to support you, but there's still that lingering fear? Is, is that holding people back? Yes. Yeah, so... I think that they expect it to be cancelled. Like there's that apprehension mm. of, will this night go ahead? Um, and I, yeah, I think a lot of people they just they just don't put too much emphasis on the the actual night out in the restaurant. They'll just come out for a meal, they'll celebrate or they'll just get together. But yeah, they just don't stay. They they it, it's changed the psyche of um, of dining out. I think people they. They struggle to connect. Like we used to have tables at the end of the night, tables would get the tables together. People would go over and stand at other tables and then they would order drinks together because it's a community. So people know basically everyone that's in, or most people that's in the restaurant all sort of know each other. Um, and we've lost that and it's really sad. Um, so it's about, okay, we're going through this just now, but we need to really, uh, restaurants, we need to really try and retrain the, the population to understand why they used to go out so much because it was like, I mean, Victoria's like Europe. We, we, we dined out. We didn't, pubs weren't the big thing. It was restaurants. That's the way society was going. Yeah, it really resonates with me what you're saying. I feel like you do feel like at the moment when you're able to book in for a restaurant, there is this sense of, is this really going to go ahead? I feel like I'm constantly putting things in the diary and then taking them back out. I think perhaps there's people aren't able to emotionally invest in, ex in an experience and then I suppose relax into it when it actually does happen. There is, there is this sort of parallel recovery that has to happen in the minds of diners and the emotions, the hearts of diners, isn't there, along with with, you know the business recovery that's that's going to be so important yeah so so i find that um a lot of elderly family members wouldn't come to the restaurant so for uh, in ship for for sure there's a lot of italian albanian uh, greek and, and when they come out they dine with the whole family like there's three uh, grandparents parents and grandkids and they all come so now is it's a bit less of that it's more of uh, just adults and kids um, and not the grandparents or yeah, there's just much smaller groups. And look, I'm not wanting to get ultra negative about it because they're still really positive. There's still people that do come out. Um, but as an industry, we really need to be um, conscious of that and try and encourage um, in the future, we need to encourage them all back out and have a spend the night and enjoy it and relax. That's the main thing, relax. How has it been? You know, you made that super kind offer at the beginning of this outbreak. What's it What's it been like the past couple of weeks dealing with, yeah, just like helping your community but also keeping your staff safe? Yeah, so we've lost this staff. So they're they're all isolating um, because they've got kids at school. So they're, they're all gone. Um, I've had to, when it, when it happened in the schools, um, 
I said to my wife that it's better off that I move out because and stay with the parents-in-law because um, this, when, when the schools start getting it, you know that it, it's just going to go through the community. So I moved out. And, and luckily, the school that my kids were at didn't end up an exposure site, but the gym that my wife went to um, did. So I was actually moved out before she got home. So I was able to stay at my parents-in-law and I'm not allowed to go back home now for two weeks. So I miss the kids, miss my wife. um, And, and really it's, it's really difficult personally, but as a, as a community, when you take 17,000, I think out the workforce, (laughs) <laughs> or 17,000 out the community and you keep them home, well, they can't get mess- uh, shopping, so they have to rely on delivery from supermarkets, which is only a certain amount of drivers, and they're doing an amazing effort. But it, there, was no, there was no sort of infrastructure behind it um, to, to support what, what they've done. Um, so, and I, I, we all get it why they've done it, but it's, there was just... It was really hard. So there was this one group called GV Cares who have just established themselves, and they've been the center hub. So they get food share, uh, donated food from the community who are out. So we just drop food off at the hub, and then they'll distribute it to people who are unable to get deliveries from the supermarket or don't have the the means, so they've lost their job. So it's really, um, it's really unsafe times in Shep as far as, family safety and kids getting the proper food and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty extreme. I never thought I'd be living in something like that. That's really intense. I mean, I have seen some news about it. It's, um, yeah, it's just, you just don't feel like this is part of an Australian story, do you? Yeah, exactly. And, and if, if there's, if there's strict rules in society, which is, it's, it's, it's strict, um, there needs to be the infrastructure behind it um, or I, I don't know how you can sustain it. If, if it's, if you, if you lock down that many people in such a small area, it, it's, it's really, I think they're getting to grips with it now. I think there's more support coming in now, but last week was pretty scary for the community. Um, so a lot of people, um, as I said, I'd keep it confidential, the people who reached out for dinner on those third, uh, on those 12. But a lot of people have reached out to me just for basic supplies. So, And those are the people I really worry about. So hopefully um, with GV Cares, who have been exceptional and food share have been unbelievable, I've managed to pass them on to them and I've managed to get them a whole, um, a whole day's supplies. So nappies, um, cleaning products for their shampoo and all that sort of stuff as well. And then you've got all the food, like cereal for the kids and milk. It's, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. There's army in the streets. It's, I mean, I said to my friend jokingly, you expect Tom Cruise to be running down the street with aliens chasing. (laughs) It's just bizarre. Like it's, you're, it's like a movie set. It's, it's incredible. So you said there's 17,000 people are in isolation. What's the population of the area? So the population of Shep, I think the town population is 40,000. And at one point there was, yeah, at one point there was 17,000 with all, um, because you've got all the kids at school and then all their family. There was 350 staff down in the supermarkets. And it was just, I think that was the figure. I'm not, not entirely sure, but 
supermarket, some supermarkets had to close. <laughs> so then other supermarkets stopped their hours because they couldn't staff it. It's, it was, it was like, yeah, it was just, it was bizarre. Slightly just, yeah, you can see the fabric of society sort of unraveling around you is what it sounds like. Yeah, it was gone within two days. It was just gone. Like, um, you go, I went into the supermarket and then all the deli section, all the bread section, that was all closed because there was no bakers. All the fresh seafood stuff was closed. The shelves were empty. <laughs> and and you could, and it's, it makes you realise the infrastructure behind everything. It does make you realise and appreciate it. Um, but it's 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 not easy. It's really not easy. And I'm sure at the same time, you know, you've done what you can to, I guess, box yourself out from the, your family that's isolating and to keep the restaurant going and, you know, the important work that you do in the community. But you must also be quite frightened for, your, for yourself, like that you're about to, you know, that if you're going to the supermarket, are you about to become part of an exposure site as well and have to isolate yourself? Exactly. And we're, we're only me away, like one of us in the family away from closing the restaurant. And then what? We've still got, like everyone's the same. You've still got your bills. you still got, what do you do? Um, especially for those poor people who have to isolate for 13 days. And then on the 13th day, they get positive. So they're now in for a month at home. Um, and I couldn't bear that. I, I, I had to isolate last year with the exposure site um, and that was bad enough. So, yeah. Wow. So in the meantime, Graeme, as you are still doing takeaway, what kind of precautions have you taken to ensure that there isn't any of that contact? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we used to have walk-in takeaway in the restaurant. We stopped that. And then I built a booth outside the front of the restaurant. So it was drive up, pick up. Um, cars, you just stay in your car, you drive up to the front of the restaurant, I'll bring the food over, give it through the, the window of your car. Um, and then we we didn't have enough staff for that, um, so we had to stop that. So now there's a little hatch at the back of our kitchen. And so basically it gets cooked and straight to the hatch. There's no, there's no logistics in between. There's no staff. It's basically from the chef to the hatch. Um, and that's the last... We can't think of anything else um, to do. So now customers basically park at the back of the restaurant, in the back of the kitchen, and they walk. They stay outside and they walk up to the hatch and it gets passed through the hatch. Uh, and what about payment? Have they already paid over the phone or ordered online? How does that side of it work? So we try and encourage them to pay over the phone, but a lot of people are apprehensive about paying credit card over the phone, and we get that. So basically um, the hatch, I'll, I'll hold out the FPOS machine, and they can tap the Airpus uh, machine. But basically, we try and encourage them to pay over the phone as much as we can. But as you said, like, we, we also get them to scan in. So even though they're outside, they haven't been in the business, they still have to scan in outside at the hatch. So we know who's been. It's a lot, isn't it? I mean, when you, when you open a restaurant, you know, with your family and it's all about, you know, flavors and beautiful experiences, this is so far from that, isn't it? It's really hard, and, and my parents-in-law, who I'm staying with just now, they're in their 70s um, because we've been unable to um, sponsor any Thai chefs out, and that's like a, a general a general point about the restaurant industry and migrant. It's basically a migrant in- industry because you've got Thai, Chinese, um, all sorts of different cultures cooking food that we need to be able to sponsor chefs in, 
um, and we're unable to do that because of the stipulations that the migration department put on. It's really hard uh, for restaurants to, to get chefs in. Thankfully, COVID has actually changed that. We're now chefs are a priority list and we're actually able to look at getting chef in in the future. But basically just now we've got two chefs in their 70s, mother and father, um, who are cooking and I'm at the hatch. Um, and it is just really difficult, yes. Yeah, that's so, that's really difficult. Are you all vaccinated, Graham? Yep, double vaxxed. As soon as the vaccination came up, we got we got double vaccinated, everyone in the family. Um, we're so thankful that we are able to get vaccinated. And uh, yeah, we're, we're totally behind uh, behind that push to to get people vaccinated. Yep. Mm. I mean, I can hear that, you know, you've obviously got a lot right in front of you to deal with right now, but what sort of, I guess, tools and strategies do you use to stay positive and to sort of keep your eye on the end game, that full restaurant with happy customers, beautiful fragrant spices and just, yeah, a room full of chatter and laughter? Yeah, so it's... um so, so we're quite dynamic in our ideas. We always try and if there's if there's a way to do it, we'll do it. Like we're we're always and that that's actually it's actually not not enjoyable. But it's when you put your passion into making it work and you're saying, okay, we've got all these problems in front of us. Uh, we can't change what's happened, but you can change what's in front of you. So, yeah, it's it's finding new ways to do things. It's like for example, um, there's a there's a truck um, protest going on on Tuesday. Um, I think they're going to close down the highways. Okay, if the trucks close down the highways, we're going to not be able to get supplies to the restaurant. How are we going to manage that? How do we put things in place where we've got enough poultry coming in, we've got enough Thai supplies coming in? So then you contact all your suppliers, you work out logistics for next week. If you can't get to Shep, where can you get to? You know, it's it's actually, it keeps you going. I, I, I actually get involved in all the contingencies. That's why I moved out of home. And sure enough, my wife became an exposure site and I was already moved out of home. When I built the booth out the front, people were asking why I was building the booth out the front. So I was uh, for drive-up pickup. So it's it's that type of thing that keeps me going. And then, and then it's that long-term vision of people coming back to the restaurant and really enjoying a full night out. And what about, you know, your community in Shep? Um, how uh, are you glad you're there? Like, do you feel like being in a regional community is a bit of a saviour at a time like this? Uh, you're probably asking the wrong person because I love Melbourne. I really, I just love Melbourne. I just, I, I would move to Melbourne at, at, in the middle of a lot. I don't mind. Like, I, I just love Melbourne. I love Chinatown. We'll drive in the morning at the weekend to have yum cha and we're back in Shep by about two in the afternoon to open the restaurant again that that afternoon. We'll, the kids, yeah, we've got our favourite yum cha, we've got our favourite coffee. We just, I just, I just love Melbourne. But end of the day, we've got a business here, the kids are at school and it's a lot, it is an easier life here because you can do multiple jobs and, and have multiple businesses going at the same time. I've also got a finance brokerage and uh, we've got uh, brokers in Wagga and in Shepparton as well. So I've got other things going on in, in life as well, apart from the restaurant, uh, in regional. 
Right. Interesting. Well, Graham, I really hope that your favourite yum cha and your favourite coffee place are, are still here to look after you when we reopen. It's certainly Chinatown's certainly, you know, taken blow after blow through this whole period. Um, but it's also, yeah, one of the places that so many people in the city, but also in the regions love to visit. So yeah, really, really look forward to Melbourne being able to welcome you for Yum Cha. And likewise, I look forward to being able to get back up the highway to the regions and support, um, support country Victoria. Graeme, it's been such a privilege and a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for everything that you put into the hospitality community. It's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really impressive. And it's that sort of, energy and commitment and community feeling that I think is going to just keep getting us through. Thank you so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is-